Hello and welcome to The Property Puzzle, the podcast helping you piece together the industry and your property career. My name is Rachel O'Shea and I represent Charter Hall on the Future Directions Committee of the Property Council of Australia, who is bringing you this podcast series. This season on The Property Puzzle, we are exploring the profession piece. We will be asking our industry experts to talk through their field, how it integrates with the property sector, where the industry is thriving and opportunities for improvement, and finally, how their field is evolving. Joining me on the podcast today is Michael Forward, Director at Saunders Havel Group and responsible for managing the town planning and urban design team within the business. For those who don't know, Saunders Havel Group provide consultancy services across several disciplines, including town planning, urban design, landscape architecture, and environmental management. Welcome to The Puzzle, Michael. Thanks very much, and thanks for having me. Michael, could you start by telling us about the field of town planning and urban design and how you got into this area? Um, I think, yes, firstly. Um, I think like uh, a lot of planners, especially planners with um, a little bit of experience, town planning wasn't a degree that uh, through school um, was one that we strove for and desired to get into. I think a lot of planners with a similar experience to myself sort of fell into the role. Um, So as a naive... um, school student or high school student, I liked architecture, I liked geography and the, and the built um, built form environment. Um, I grew up in Townsville, so at James Cook University they didn't have an architecture degree, so I thought um, naively at the time that um, civil engineering was kind of similar, so I uh, dived in headfirst into a civil engineering degree, um, did two and a half years of that. I'm not sure if there are engineers listening to this or will be listening to this, but um, there's a thing called Fourier transforms and Laplace theory, which is a uh, university math. I couldn't comprehend that and failed my math degree, uh, fa- failed my math courses twice. Um, a year before I moved across to planning, I had a friend who was also doing engineering with me who was having similar problems. Um, and he uh, fortunately took up a role in the planning degree. And a year later said to me, look, come across to planning. Um, it's a lot easier and there's a lot more women. <laughs> so... Yeah, to this day, um, that's why I'm a planner. Um, I think the story is probably fairly consistent with um, a lot of other people. Um, but yeah, it, I think it's maybe changing now that people are actually looking to be planners. But uh, yeah, definitely not myself. And do you find that to be true? Is it easier? And are there more women? Uh, there are definitely more women. Yep. I think planning profession-wise, there's about um, 50% of planners, um, I think, are female or around about. So it's one of the few uh, built-form... Uh, degrees and, and professions that are balanced um, and when it comes to math it's a lot easier. I wouldn't <laughs> say it's an easier um, degree as a whole or an easier profession as a whole but it's definitely easier on the math. Obviously the property industry spans a variety of sectors and I imagine you provide services to a number of stakeholders. How does your role support the industry broadly? I think the, the role of a planner and, and a, a consultant planner in spe- uh, specifically is um, essentially the glue that binds in the application process. Um, you know, when you look at the whole process, planners um, account for about sort of 10 to 20% of the, the length of time of a, of a project, but it's quite a critical element to any development. And um, from a role perspective, the role I try and play and I try and tell others that they should play is um, giving good professional advice and bringing together all of the elements. So I guess planning as a profession is different from a lot of others. If you're an engineer, an environmental scientist or a bushfire consultant, you have um, the luxury of a single-minded focus. So 
if you're a bushfire consultant, your aim is to mitigate bushfire. Um, the role of a planner is um, to bring all of those elements together and um, find that middle ground that is a good outcome, not just for the development, but for the community and um, the city as a whole. So um, I, I've heard it a number of times. It's definitely not my quote, but um, it's a good line that says, you know, as a planner, you've done your job well if everybody's equally disappointed. <laughs> well, um, so just sort of stepping into um, the next question then, tell us a bit more, I guess, about the planning approval process. Can you explain at a high level the process for a project to attain planning approval? Yep. Um, so the planning approvals that we work on are... Um, I guess sort of that that top five percent in in scale and complexity. Um, many projects, such as two lot subdivisions, house, or even small scale unit development or subdivision, can be done quite easily and efficiently um, where they're compliant with the planning scheme. Um, that those applications are um, what's called code accessible in most instances. Um, there's a set of codes and criteria which they need to be assessed against, um, and if you're compliant with those um, criteria then you can expect that you can get an approval. Where you're dealing with the larger scale developments, master plan communities, or developments that are, I guess, outside the normal realms of what the planning scheme is expecting, things get a bit more challenging, and, and that's where we do a lot of our work. Um, in those instances, the process really, really starts before a client has purchased the block of land. So they, in most times, will come to us, we'll give them preliminary advice around um, what we think they can do, what the opportunities are, and then we'll work with them and council in a pre-lodgement space to try and find a way that we get close to what council's looking for, but there's always um, elements that need to be assessed and detailed out through the, the lodgement process. Um, once once the, all the documentation's prepared we uh, in, and all the coordination is done with um, co-consultants and those sorts of things, we prepare a development application to council. Um, it goes through either code assessable processes I talked about or what's called impact assessment. Impact assessment essentially follows the same process as a code application, which is lodge the information, get an information request, respond to the information request, and, and go f back and forth with council until they make a decision. The big difference between code and impact is impact applications need to be advertised, the, you need to advise the community and, and send out letters and put signs on the site um, advising what the application is for. Submitters then get an opportunity to make submissions or formal submissions to the application and then um, depending on the decision and, and the circumstance that gives them um, appeal rights should they object to the decision that was made. So the planning approval process then can become you know both timely and expensive particularly if you go down the impact accessible route. What improvements do you think can be made by applicants and assessors to create efficiencies or better streamline this process? I think the, the challenge with applications and, the, and the, you know, the cost, and it's not just a cost in terms of um, consultant cost or application fees, um, it's also time. Um, a big cost to development is time. Um, efficiencies can be um, brought into the process probably in about three big ways. There's many, many ways, but I think three. Um, from a local government perspective, having planning schemes that predict um, and plan for future growth, whether that be infrastructure, um, zoning provisions, the work that council can do in those emerging community areas to provide certainty um, definitely streamlines the process because the, 
the killer to time and cost is uncertainty. Um, from an applicant perspective, um, key uh, is actually making sure the development applications you're lodging have the detail necessary for assessment by, by council. If you know there's a bushfire issue but don't include a bushfire report, then that's going to delay you and you're still going to have to do the bushfire report. Um, the third one is a bit of a combination between councils and the development industry and that's really a cultural thing. I think um, too often there is a divide between council and applicants whereby we're on different sides of the fence and think we're needing to compete and you know there's winners and losers. Um, culturally, the, the best way we can get outcomes that are more efficient and cost-effective are if we actually work together, put the cards on the table and have an open conversation about what is the outcome that we think is achievable on the side and what is a, you know, um, a balanced outcome for the community as a whole. And that would be part of that pre-lodgement process, um, do you think? Most definitely in the pre-lodgement process. Um, it's always, always better to have advice and have um, an understanding of what can be done before a client purchases a site. There's the, the hardest job I have is when a client comes to me and says, hey, I've bought a site um, unconditional without due diligence and they back themselves into a corner. They're, they're the hardest ones. So getting good advice before a client buys a site is critical, but culturally it's the whole way through the process. So just on that, what influences policy making with regards to town planning then? So does council consult with the private sector to draft and implement these policies at all? Um, in short, yes. It, it seeks to consult with the private sector, um, the community and really all stakeholders. It's a, it's a bit of a challenging set of circumstances and I know the Property Council plays a really critical part in this as, long as, as well as other um, industry groups. The, the challenge is that many of the things that are communicated or, or um, that the state and local government seek advice on is very technical and um, as a development consultant, uh, I bill time. So putting time to um, review and give proper advice around new planning policy is a challenge for the industry in general. So I think there, it's, it's, a, it's a balance and I think that the role the Property Council does is fantastic in that space because it does have a lot of members it can tap on the shoulder. Um, but it's still a bit of a challenge to get into the, the detail. I'm a very detailed person. Um, but yeah, it, the, um, policy is definitely consulted on. Um, sometimes the speed at which we need to consult on and respond is very challenging. And sometimes there's policy that's not consulted on and then we all have to deal with the circumstances after the fact. Let's talk about Brisbane more specifically. What sort of town planning initiatives are unique to our city and are of benefit to its future? Um, Brisbane is a bit of a unique situation at the moment. Um, I think Brisbane City Council is making some very bold and positively bold um, decisions in relation to infrastructure and the projects that it's doing. So whether it be Green Bridges, Victoria Park uh, redevelopment or Brisbane Metro, those are really big city-shaping bold um, decisions, I guess, of the government. Um, the challenge, I think, in the planning scope is that we're not really seeing the planning scheme and the planning um, framework uh, leveraging off those bold decisions. We're not seeing an intensification of density and, and um, development opportunity that aligns with the community infrastructure that's being delivered. So in my view, I guess it, I'm a little bit challenged because I don't see that same bold 
um, decision making in the planning space that we're seeing in the infrastructure space and I think that is a lost opportunity that we're building all of this amenity and infrastructure in areas where only a very small amount of the population can get access to it. How do you think COVID has impacted the planning sector and what has the response been from councils and the private sector? Um, if you are, as a business owner, if you asked me a year ago where we'd be today, um, I'd tell you we'd be in a very different situation. Um, I'm very happy about the situation we're in because um, March last year we were doing assessments of um, what was the cost of running our business with shutting the doors. Um, COVID has been a very strange um, set of circumstances for the development industry and I think primarily um, being in South East Queensland has been really, really um, uh, a fortunate outcome, not just because of um, the government incentives around home builder, which has been a very significant driver of our economy, um, but also we've seen very significant um, and ongoing interstate migration into South East Queensland that has really lifted up um, the residential market and therefore other markets within South East Queensland. So at the moment, what we've, we've, um, what we're experiencing, what we've seen for the last six months is that um, most consultants are busy, most of our clients are busy, and there's a real buzz around getting um, development outcomes on the ground. Whether that continues beyond um, the next six months, no one really knows, but at this stage everybody's um, pretty busy and, and pretty stressed, if I'm honest. Finally, I'd be interested to know how innovation or technology has assisted in advancing the planning and urban design industry. Where do you see this heading into the future? Um, this is a space I really personally like. Um, we, we, in our business, strive for innovation and we are seeing a lot of that innovation coming through our business, through um, just ideas from the team, but we're also seeing a really a, a good amount of innovation across the industry as a whole. Um, I remember when I first started in this profession, um, the, the zoning plan for the city was a plan. It was held in council and every time someone did a rezoning, someone had to go and get a new piece of paper and, and colour out the colour on the zoning plan. Um, times have changed a lot since then. We now have um, an open data policy from the state government combined with um, new platforms from local governments that allow you to get access to all of the information that you need for, um, to do due diligence from a planning perspective quite quickly. On top of that, um, there are systems being rolled out that give the community a much greater understanding of what's happening in their area. They can um, say, my house is here and show me all the applications within a two kilometre radius. So people are, I guess, being able to break down some of those barriers about town planning and development and understand what's happening in their area. And I see that as a good thing. Um, from a wider um, innovation perspective, I guess where I, I see this going, uh, we, we are seeing a lot of, um, um, I guess, data coming into town planning and economic assessments and, and assessments generally that we didn't have previously. So big data is giving us the opportunity to understand our cities better, make better policy decisions and really understand the impact of um, developments and um, policy decisions. So whether it be um, local government-wide um, traffic modelling that can determine the impact of new developments integrated into that system, um, or one of the examples we've got is we built a model of the Gold Coast, um, a digital model of the Gold Coast for a new development that we're doing so that we could accurately determine for a large-scale subdivision what each of the views were from each of the blocks in advance of development and sales so that we could maximise 
bulk earthworks to ensure that people have views. So th these are lots of little things that are happening, but there's lots of innovation, but that innovation couldn't have been done without access to big data and the open data policy that the state government introduced a couple of years back. Michael, what sort of advice would you have for an aspiring town planner? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, town planning, like I said before, it, it's kind of um, the jack-of-all-trades um, profession. So in universities we're taught um, very much the... Um, the, the fundamentals of good planning and history of planning and urban design and those sorts of things. But um, university students really aren't told what it's like to be in the um, DA space and especially not to be a DA consultant. So I think um, you know, when people ask me what I do, um, I don't tell them I'm a town planning planner anymore. Or if they ask me what, what do I do as a town planner, I say I, I try to convince others that my opinions are correct. Because <laughs> um, that 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 is what don't we all exactly yeah <laughs> so that, that's kind of what town planning is 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 reading the provisions and requirements and you know, finding your own interpretation and your own views now you obviously as a planner you need to have morals and standings and and I won't um, move those but I'll always take a position that I think is a defendable one and then my job is to convince others um, of that you know, my my opinion is correct or my interpretation is accurate. That part of it, I think for planners, um, you know, it, it goes to two points. One, I think the ability to negotiate, to read, to learn and to write persuasively is really, really critical um, and is something that we look for um, in our staff. The second thing is um, having a good understanding of the sub-consultants or the consultants that you work with is also critical because it's your job to push back on the bushfire consultant because... You know, what outcome they're proposing is going to then have a you know, significant reduction of yield or pushing back on the engineers because they want a, a concrete line drain but it's a creek mapped on the on the waterway corridor. You need to have a base level understanding of what those consultants are telling you so that you can find that middle ground. So that that's a really key skill is to try and be that jack of all trades um, so that you can bring together the outcome that is a positive one for your client, but is also one that council's going to be supportive of. That's actually a good segue into um, my next question. It sounds as though, you know, there's a lot of transferable skills that um, can be used across a number of disciplines, you know, and we're often told there's no one way um, to get where you want to be in property. Um, what are, if you study town planning, some of the other... Um, I guess, career choices that are available to you? Or where, where can it take you? Town planning is one of those um, strange degrees, I, I think, that, and one of the challenges for the lecturers in, in town planning is that you can go a lot of different places with, with a town planning degree. So even in, even in the core town planning space, you might do social planning, you might do infrastructure planning, transport planning, strategic planning. You might work for local government, the state government or a consultancy. Um, or you might do the development application work like we do. Um, there's a vast array of different churches within the planning industry itself. Beyond that, um, we see a lot of um, people, or I know a lot of people who have had planning degrees or do have planning degrees, have done you know, five or so years of work within the planning industry, and especially in consultancy, and then move into ADM or um, DM roles. Um, whilst planning component of a, of a project is only a, a small moment in time um, 
approval risk um, is a really big part of the, the problem or part of the equation for um, project managers and developers. So having a base understanding of town planning I think is quite useful, especially when you're a DM who is doing site acquisition or project approvals, less, less so in the construction phase. But that front-end phase, um, having a town planning degree is actually a really useful thing for being a DM. So we do see, and you know, a number of my clients are town planners that I used to work with who, are now <laughs> who have moved into that DM space and have a really good understanding of um, the, the town planning and what we talk about, and, and that definitely um, assists them in their job. Thanks, Michael. Thanks so much for your time on The Puzzle. Yeah, thanks very much. I appreciate coming in. Thank you for listening to The Property Puzzle. This episode was produced by the Property Council of Australia's Queensland Future Directions Committee. If you have any feedback or ideas for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you at thepropertypuzzle at propertycouncil.com.au. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes to help other industry professionals find us. Tune in next time for the next piece of The Property Puzzle. 